2781 21st Street in the Deep Mission at 21st in Florida. Contact Pam at pamsidai at hotmail.com for more options and booking dates. Incredible socialist prices so you can be creative in a free speech space without breaking the bank. That's Mutiny Radio Rentals every Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10. Book your event now. I know, I just said that. Where'd you get that fine heirloom? What a tomato. Look, man, this isn't a come on. Just tell me where you got that beautiful tomato. What a tomato. No, no, seriously. I actually want to eat a tomato. I love tomatoes. Where did you get that tomato? What a tomato. Dude, it's a fine, beautiful tomato. I want to eat one, too. I want one right now. I like to eat them like an apple with salt. Tell me, where'd you get the tomato? What a tomato. Are you high? Just tell me where I can find a tomato like that. What a tomato. Is this a metaphor? What a Tomato Produce Company in San Francisco. For all your wholesale produce needs, 2055 Jared Avenue. Hope your legs are looking sexy, because we're going to charm your pants off. Come to the Charm Offensive Comedy Show at Punchline San Francisco. It's a night of great jokes, magnetic personalities, featuring the Bay Area's most awarded comedians, plus national headliners. You'll laugh. You'll swoon. And when you regain your composure, you'll swipe right. Tuesday, March 7th. Doors at 7, show at 7.30 at 444 Battery Street in San Francisco's Financial District. Brought to you by Paco Romaine and Destiny's Moms Comedy. Our last show sold out, so get your tickets now at punchlinecomedyclub.com. Charm Offensive at Punchline Comedy San Francisco. Tuesday, March 7th. See you there, sexy. It is high noon on a Tuesday. I mean, what? It's Wednesday. <laughs> it's Wednesday. That's how high I am. I thought it was Tuesday. I missed a day. It's Wednesday. It's the 18th of 18th of January. I, I think so. I think that's right. I think that's right. Uh, you're here on the AltaCast. I'm joined by Arden of the Night Space and also by Latoya, the Sheriff of Truth, here bringing it in. Yeah. Uh, oh, actually, you're on four there. Oh, there, there we go. We go. Oh, hey, yeah. there we That's go. There's Latoya. Hey. Hey. Your, your hair is still purple. You're still a mermaid. Yeah, oh, with the fishes. <laughs> Have it, uh, it's, we could swim outside right now, feeling like a fish. Uh, one cool thing that happens on this corner is that when it rains like this, the... The, um, it floods <laughs> the road right out here, and it's really fun. It's like, you know, where do the fish? I have this is this is a question. Where, when a lake freezes over, uh-huh. the fish stay. Yes. Mm-hmm. What if the f- lake completely freezes? Then they die. If it completely froze, yeah. they'd probably die. But then, how do they come back the next year? So what happens is when water freezes. Uh, it hits a critical temperature, and I'm sure somebody in the audience is going to correct me on this, but I think it's about 4 degrees centigrade when it's its densest. 
and it comes down to the bottom of the lake and it keeps doing that until the whole lake is about four degrees centigrade and it's only once it hits that temperature that the top begins to freeze so there's this kind of buffering effect that happens that prevents this kind of middle layer where the fishy live from completely freezing so uh so the fish don't die yeah at least that that's what i remember from high school classes no this but here's the thing where i used to go to burning man so black rock city is out there and uh during the summer it's a dry lake bed but during the winter it's a lake but then in the summer you don't see like dead fish bones everywhere so where do the fish go well that must be a dead lake then so it, it just it, fills up with water just never has any fish yeah unless there's some species that survives in the mud or something like mud skippers i don't understand science at all uh here we are on the alticast <laughs> i don't i don't i'm like i don't know where do the ducks go in winter? Uh, Holden, Caulfield, I, I'd like to know. Uh, here we are with the Drug Policy Alliance Minute. Stop the Jeff Sessions nomination. Uh, he was picked to be the next attorney general, and if confirmed, will bring back militarized Reagan-era drug war tactics and raids on marijuana businesses. Send a message to your senator now. There's a little click link. If you go to Drug Policy Alliance, you can send a message to your senator. How many of you guys ever written your senator? Not today. Once. Once. When I was in a uh, high school. Was it for a school assignment or was it? A- no, um, I forgot what it was. It was like when I was living in St. Louis or what have you. So I remember writing to my senator about that. Oh, and I did. Actually, I do remember I re- we wrote our senator about an AIDS quilt when I was in elementary school. Huh. Yeah, that was like in the late 80s, early 90s. Because you wanted an AIDS quote. Yeah, yeah, that's when I was in Catholic school. So we were able to like um, contribute to the AIDS quilt that was going on at the time. So. Wow, Catholics talking about AIDS. In, in, in Southwest Missouri at the time, too. Yeah. This wow. is like 90, 1990, that is. No, I wrote my senator recently about the whole um, Trump inauguration with the... Uh, electoral college and trying to abolish that. I recently wrote a little thing. Uh, Camilla Dave or Camilla Harris. Camilla Harris. Yeah. Oh, well, isn't isn't Nancy Pelosi one of our people? I didn't. Yeah. I didn't yeah. know Skeletor had a sister. <laughs> Camilla uh, Harris is the. D- <laughs> Sorry, that's a that's actually a drummer comedian Aaron Barrett joke. I should get he, when he does his George W. Bush voice, he's like, <laughs> and and I've made some mistakes. Yo, you, you made some mistakes, namely Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> I didn't know Skeletor had a twin sister. <laughs> um, that's in his that's in his George W. Bush set. Uh, yeah, little taquitos. It's Mexican for little tacos. <laughs> See, I wrote that too because originally he said Spanish, and I'm like, oh no, George W. says Mexican. Yes. that's yes. Mexican yes. for little taco, baby. Um, Science, talking about science, science once again claims marijuana is medicine in landmark National Academy of Sciences report. Once again, the scientific community has come back with evidence against the Schedule One categorization of marijuana. Yay! Uh, Today, the National Academy of Sciences released a comprehensive review of research on marijuana and concluded that marijuana does indeed have medical value. The review concluded one of the therapeutic uses of cannabis and cannabinoids is to treat chronic pain in adults 
the committee found evidence to support that patients who were treated with cannabis or cannabinoids were more likely to experience a significant reduction in pain symptoms for adults with multiple, scler multiple sclerosis related muscle spasms there was substantial evidence that short term use of certain oral cannabinoids man made cannabinoid based medications that were orally ingested improved their reported symptoms furthermore in adults with chemotherapy induced nausea and vomiting uh, there was conclusive evidence that certain oral cannabinoids were effective in preventing and treating those ailments. This is not the first time the scientific community has made claims about marijuana as a medicine. The LaGuardia report uh, was commissioned by then mayor of New York, Fiorello LaGuardia, in response to the Marijuana Act of 1937, the Fed's first attempt at controlling marijuana use in the general public. The report confirmed what LaGuardia suspected, that the effects of marijuana did not impact a person's sensibilities or ability to make good decisions, and that it was likely was not as dangerous as Anslinger and his buddies were making it out to be with their reefer madness campaign. The next scientific assessment of marijuana was commissioned by Richard Nixon in the early 70s. The passage of the Controlled Substances Act created drug schedules, a system for classifying drugs based on their medical value and dangerousness. Nixon commissioned the Schaefer Report to study the effects of marijuana and make recommendation as to what the appropriate schedule might be. The report concluded, considering the range of social concerns in contemporary America, marijuana does not, in our considered judgment, rank very high. <laughs> We would de-emphasize marijuana as a problem. The existing social and legal policy is out of proportion to the individual and social harm engendered by the use of the drug. Nixon disregarded the report and marijuana remained a Schedule One drug. I didn't know that came out in the 70s. Yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah. I didn't realize you, that there was a report that said it's, there's nothing wrong with it. And he went, booze, the wrong with all these hippie yeah. crazy kids. It, hippies and, and Negroes were too busy having a good time and Nixon had to kill that party. Had to kill that party. And arrest them. It's just, it's so crazy to me, this whole Schedule One thing. The Schedule One drug means that it's like heroin. It's a rating yep. system. It's a rating system saying that marijuana is bad. And cocaine's number two. And cocaine's a Schedule Two? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> because they still use it in eye surgery. Right, because it's an analgesic. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, and plus politicians love it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you've got hemorrhoids, uh, it's great. You just stick it right on there. Get high and don't feel a thing. Nice. Uh, before I finish this, I said heroin as a Schedule 1. And I wanted to tell you guys a quick story about what happened yesterday uh, in the, in the uh, station here. So uh -oh. it's 4 o'clock. I'm getting ready. It's still a sunny day. I'm going to go pass out a bunch of the beautiful posters for the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. 2017 coming up March 1st through 5th. I'm leaving. I'm excited to leave. I'm, I've done all the work here, I'm trying to get out of the building. And a guy walks in and he's like, and he smells like, you know, like, you know, so unquestionably housed people smell like they're trying not to smell, but you know that they're questionably housed, like you know something's up. Yep. And he's like, oh, there's a radio star, I'm a DJ, I do the rap. And he's white, and I'm like, yeah, sure, you do the rap. I'm like, I'm getting out of here though, I gotta go, I gotta go. And the thing is, I just counted all the money, so I have $1,400 in dues in my bag as he's walking in, and I'm like, fuck, can I hide the money in my backpack? And I don't wanna say, hey man, I gotta get out of here, I gotta go run, do a bank run because I'm afraid he might steal my money. Well, I don't know what he's going to do. So he's here and I'm like, hey guy, I got to go. And he goes, oh, hey, before you leave, can I just use your bathroom real quick? And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, don't do it, Pam. Say no. Say you're leaving. Say no. But 
I don't know what the social pressure is and why I feel it so strongly to be a nice person. I don't know if it's my white guilt, if it's my guilt over having a home, if it's my guilt over living in San Francisco as an artist, whatever it was, and I hang up the brainwash, whatever. I said yes. Oh, oh no! Oh no! So after the first five minutes, I think to myself, he's in there doing the hair on, hair on. He's in there. That's what he's doing because he's being real quiet, and I don't hear any poopity poops, and I'm not hearing any pee sounds. So I say really loudly, "Hey guy, I gotta get out of here, dude, bro. Wrap it up." No noise, nothing. Right? Oh, no, no. Okay. Ten, ten minutes have elapsed now, and I'm, I'm pacing outside. I'm pacing. I'm fucking like, God damn it, Pamela. You're so stupid. Why, why would you let him do this? Why are you let him? Yeah, don't do that shit again. So then again, I walk back in. Now after 15 minutes, and I'm like, dude, bro, seriously, I got to go. You got to get out of here. No noise, no noise, no noise. I'm like, what the fuck am I going to do? Do I bang on the door? I'm like, I don't want to bang on the door. I'm kind of scared of this guy. I'm like, welcome. So I'm like, Arr. So finally I come back in and I get really, really loud. And I'm just like, dude, it is time. You get, it is time now. With that kind of like nanny mom voice of like, you hear that, you hear that I am not pleased. Yeah. I got things to do, buddy. So he kind of stumbles out of the bathroom and I'm like, that's exactly what he's doing. And he tries to pick up a stock and kind of drops it on the ground a little bit. And I'm like, dude, just get out of here. Okay, can you just be done? And he's fuddling around on the piano. He's got getting he's getting flyers. He's like getting flyers. I'm like, no flyers for you. So we finally left. But clearly, I mean, do I have to put a sign on the door that says, don't do heroin in here? Yeah, or you just yeah. gotta be, okay. But what do I do? I'm a woman alone in the afternoon and I don't wanna like. Hell no, you can't no, use you no can't. pee bath. No, no. Yeah, no, no. hell no. Hell no. This is for safety. You know, by this point, it's just like, you knew he was kind of shady. I, yeah, I knew. You put your shady radar on. Right. Don't be nice, fuck people at this point. Yeah. You know, because it's, you, you never know sometimes and I, I like to put my wall up. I don't care if you stank and you look shady. No. I know. I had the money yeah. on me, too. I just and wanted to get out of here. Yeah. yeah. There, there's a time of a place, you know, I mean, because it's not hard to say. You don't have, you can, it's easy to say no. It's easy to say you no. Know, it's easy to say no. I feel terrible about it. And I, this is another thing I heard this week. I heard a rumor about Mutiny Radio. And people were like, well, you know, she's doing that. There's more open mics and that's great and everything. But, God, you know, it's kind of like where homeless people hang out. And I'm like, dang it, is that what people... I'm like, it's just on Friday from 3 to 6. It's the common (laughs) collective. They're not homeless, they're hippies. It's... You know, they share apples. They bring, like, cinnamon cake. They do. And, and yeah. They're wearing weird hats, and some of them have feathers sticking in weird old dreadlocks. But they're not... (laughs) Well, have you seen in New York City, because the weather's so bad there right now, the homeless have taken over Whole Foods. Wow. Because they have those nice big open seating areas where you can grocery shop and then sit and eat with, you know, other people. It's become junkie headquarters where they all go in because the shelters kick them out during the day. They can right, stay at yeah. night, but they kick them out during the so day. It's so cold, you can't. So they hang out at Whole Foods and socialize and, you know, go into the bathroom, shoot up, come back out and zonk oh. out at a table. Upscale New York City supermarket has become social club for junkies. Yep. <laughs> Three days ago. This is amazing. This is the New York Post. And you see, like, they're just, it's not just for foodies anymore. Shoppers at the Bowery Whole Foods, Manhattan's largest.
largest supermarket can browse craft brews in a beer room, choose from an array of artisanal products in the Cheese Finishing Emporium, and buy meat and fish from the in-house smoker. The walls are adorned with arty photographs, paintings, and drawings from local artists. But on the second floor, behind the pricey gluten-free soaps, lotions, and organic sheets and shoes, the rows of tables, chairs, and benches are often filled with a variety of vagrants. Substance abusers, drug dealers, and homeless people are turning the sunny cafe area where shoppers can dine on pulled pork or Vietnamese sandwiches, called banh mi, you guys, into their own private social club for the cost of a cup of coffee or nothing at all. During five visits to the store in recent weeks, a reporter saw a modern-day Bowery bum sleeping in the fetal position, another nodding out in an obvious drug-induced haze, and few appeared to be drunk, and one smearing toothpaste on his face and mumbling to himself. (laughs) As the city's homeless population surges and heads indoors in recent wet and cold weathers, retailers, even high-end ones, cannot escape the deluge. The vagrants take full advantage of free wireless and microwave at Whole Foods and relieve themselves in sparkling restroom facilities. They pool their change to buy a beverage at the coffee bar in order to get a receipt with the day's keypad code to the locked restrooms. The problem with homeless people and junkies is frequent, said a Whole Foods cashier while ringing up cave-aged cheese in an assortment of organic produce. <laughs> Every once in a while, security will go upstairs and shoo them away. The 71,000 square foot store, 71,000 yep. square foot store, opened in 2007 to much fanfare. The gourmet market, the length of a city block, imposingly sits between Bowery and Christie Streets and employs more than 600 workers. But what once the province of hip, what is the, what was once the province of hipsters is now a refuge for the city's growing homeless population and others. Last week, one bum in the grocery area picked items from the hot food bar with his fingers and ah. popped them into his mouth. Upstairs, a man reeking of booze drank from a dark bottle and argued with those in the cafe. Another man alternated between panhandling in front of the store and sitting in the cafe talking to himself. <laughs> no one wants to have lunch next to a foul-smelling bum or a drunk or a junk junkie nodding out next to you. It's not very appetizing. At the same time, Whole Foods displaced these people. Oh, wait, this is the same quote. At the same time, Whole Foods displaced these people. These were the originally original Bowery denizens, yeah. said Sean Sweeney, head of the Soho Alliance. Gentrification took the place and displaced them. Where are they supposed to go? The de Blasio administration has not done enough to find shelter for these unfortunate people. The number of almost city shelters city shelters reached a record high last year with others using ATM vestibules or transit hubs like Penn Station as makeshift shelters. The supermarket is particularly attractive to the homeless bunking at the Bowery Mission, which is a block and a half away and requires residents to leave during the day. It's true. Um, all the shelters, you leave at like 8.30 and you come back and once you're in at 8.30 or whatever, you can't leave. And if you want to come in at 11, you have to have a special pass mm-hmm. that says like you have a job or you have a reason to be out. Yeah. I don't feel sorry for that Whole Foods because if in, if you guys are familiar with the Bowery in New York, that's where CBGBs used to be, oh, have you. Yeah. and that's where part of like the punk scene was like in the 70s and the 80s. And so when Mr. Gentry came in in the 90s and changed the whole Bowery, this is what happened. Yeah. And so now you have so many displaced people who like the article stated who are have been in that area for so long where are they supposed to go this is the problem this is the flip side of like oh well mr gentry 
didn't help the other people, these displaced people. So this is the effect of what you get. And so I think the shit's funny. I, I, I think I, it's very funny. I think too, it's but... very funny because number one, you're in New York, so what do you expect? And you're buying an apple for three fifty. Do you know what I mean? Like it's an it's organic not... apple that costs three dollars and fifty cents. That's insane. Or a cup of coffee that's like five bucks or the, something. The yeah, only like... thing that's nasty to me is like the whole bathroom situation. Yeah. You know, because I do use public restrooms. I'm not one of those like oh, I will never use a public toilet, but. I don't like what you were just describing what happened here yesterday. Now I'm afraid to sit on that toilet. Well, and I, <laughs> now that's the thing is I didn't, um, I didn't check it or smell it because I know he didn't poo or whatever, but I came back later and I, it was clean. The bathroom was fine, but I didn't want to look at it at the time because I didn't want to be that person that's like, now look what you did to my bathroom. I'm that kind of person. I just, I'm too <laughs> nice. Uh, it's easy to come here. It's nice and clean and warm and it closes at 11 PM. So it's open pretty late, which is good. Said Adrian Bay 42, who said he was staying at the mission while working and saving for an apartment. Sam, who was 35 and homeless, said he suspects addicts sometimes use the restroom. I see people come in here and they're straight and they walk with one foot in front of the other into the bathroom. And then they come out two minutes later and they pass out. He said, <laughs> I've seen ambulances come because people have passed out after coming uh, out of the bathroom. One Whole Foods employee concurred that drug users are definitely in the building. <laughs> the homeless wrote the <laughs> Elvis is in the building. The homeless problem gets worse in the winter and nothing can be done about it, said the worker at the second floor barbecue food stand. Whole Foods officials declined to comment. You know, that shit probably goes on here, too. Oh, I, I work in customer service. I've got to deal with, you know, the occasional person that walks in who's mentally unhinged or on drugs or whatever it is. Yeah. And, you know, my policy and pretty much the place that I work for is policy is unless they're causing a commotion or disruption. Leave them alone. Leave them alone. Absolutely. Let them do their thing. And most of them actually come in and buy something to right. hang out. Um, but I've, I've had the occasion where somebody comes in and they're causing a problem or being a nuisance and you got to kind of shoo them out. And the smell is a nuisance. If you come yeah. in and you yeah. really, really smell, even if you're not causing like a physical, well, you are causing a physical you disorder. Causing you're a causing physical. a, yeah, you're causing a olfactory, olfactory issue. And, uh, and I feel terrible, but what do you, Not, what do you do? You say, Hey, there's the showers in front of city hall right now. You can run down there and you, there. you take your stank ass over there because not all homeless people stink that is that's not true yeah. it's you know but you know once you crap your pants if you don't wash them within like 30 minutes you can never get that smell the poop smell yeah, out of your pants so you, know, you can't it's like impossible and huh. the thing is like we <laughs> did have, not know that we do have free showers and that's the luxury of like you know living in a place where a lot of those who do are who are displaced have luxury and have that option oh you can hear me now yeah um have that option here to take a shower you know and i there's I, the lady downtown it's amazing she take took old buses and she she has like four of them now and she started with one and she divided the bus in half and she made two showers inside the bus and so when you walk up the stairs there's like this little ante room that's closed and they give you shampoo and soap and everything and you go and you take a nice warm shower that's awesome and then there's a little room it's all private where you get dressed again or whatever and she used to, yeah, she used to have one bus and now she has like four or five and just travels around the city and lets See? people know yeah. and says, hey, free showers. Which Whole Foods do you work at, by the way? Oh, I don't work at Whole Foods. Oh, I, I, and I'm I won't, sorry, I, I won't mention my employer because, you oh. know, that, that I like working there. I don't want to <laughs> lose my job. I don't you know, know why. I think you said, I, never mind, disregard. Yeah. It's customer service. Customer yeah, service. Yeah, customer service. But uh, I think the, the uh, one of the problems is that 
uh, everyone gets lumped into the quote unquote homeless quote unquote yeah. crazy category. Right. That's true. When we really need to start making the distinctions between okay, mental health issue Check. needs to be treated, addiction issue Check. where they want to get help, or uh, falling on hard times, just Check. you know losing right. source of income, things like that. Right. And then going the other side where it's the uh, chronically winding up in criminal problems right and yeah. right. Know, the people that cause the break-ins up and down harrison street every morning the people that like steal that. bikes yeah, yeah. All or any of the thievery and the thieves, problem is thieves into house i think when it comes to government trying to approach these things government's afraid to make those distinctions because then you're highlighting groups within groups and then people feel ostracized and singled out right and so they try and create this panacea and by doing so they either, in San Francisco's case, really don't address the problem at all. Right. Or in New York's problem, they try and address it and wind up uh, becoming the bad guy because they're pushing the homeless to other areas or doing things Different to... Different states. Well, yeah. it's, I was recently in New York, and it was crazy. I went to um, one of these high-end, four-story uh, supermarkets. It was, it was Mario Batali's. Um, <laughs> it's called Italy. And it's, oh, everything's yeah. like from Italy and it's all really cool and artisanal and great and the focaccia is amazing. Anyways, it was like shoulder to shoulder in there and I couldn't believe, I'm like, man, if I was questionably housed, this would be the best place to create <laughs> shrinkage. I mean, they couldn't track, you could like open up something and drink it and stand there. There was so much food and so many people and so many employees and so many people that I could totally imagine a questionably housed person hanging in there all afternoon and being like, no one's going to even notice me. Yeah. And I can eat some, you know, tasty snacks. Well, yeah. I, I had a guy in the store the other day and I, I was watching him because one, he did have an order or two. So you, right. you, you couldn't help but notice he was there whether you could see him or not. <laughs> but I, he was just kind of milling. And every time you addressed him, he evaded. Oh. He, he, he wouldn't make eye contact. He'd just kind of shuffle somewhere else. And it, sure enough, he was trying to make a move to just grab something out of the cold case and walk out with it. Right. But because myself and my uh, shift lead at the time uh, were paying attention to him, he eventually got frustrated and just walked out. Right. He's like, I can't. You're watching me too closely yeah. for me yeah. to steal All right eyes now. on me. Yeah. Ah. Why are you looking at me? Why would you look at me? And that's when yeah. they create a nice disturbance. You say, because you're talking really loudly but, right but now. But we've got another guy who, who's a sweetheart, comes in every day, and we take care of him. Yeah. You know, we give him, you know, something small on the house. Um, because he's a nice guy and, you know, he's not trying to create, create a he's disruption. He's not trying to create trouble. Yeah. yeah. And if it's raining. Yeah. Why, not, why not take care of a fellow human being? I totally agree with what you're just uh, talking about, like how, you know, they lump uh, all homeless people as one big group. And the thing, and especially with those who have fallen on hard times, which is happening all over the place. Um, I watched this documentary a while back um, that was called uh, SF.0. It's okay. Don't you? You don't have to go and watch it. I'm not endorsing it, but um, there was a gentleman who he had a, a college degree. He was in his uh, late 50s, and he ended up living in the SRLs um, because he lost his job of downsizing. He lost his home and what have you, and he ended up homeless for a while, and then now he's in these SROs. And so it's stories like that, you know, that I, I, I don't feel the government is doing enough to help those in the hard time rather than lump everyone into one big group, like you were saying, the category. Just as much as like there's mental health issues, and we we in this country don't even discuss that. There's just a pill, for you, to <laughs> take, you know. So that's another issue. And then there's the assholes. Yeah. 
you know so i mean i do think that we you know maybe it's just the pc side of me need to like kind of think about panning putting people into the whole group i guess i know i'm guilty of it yeah yeah well painting people speaking of painting people into a group i uh looked up that report the national commission on marijuana and drug abuse from 1972 and they actually have profiles of users the experimental users the intermittent users the moderate to heavy users and the very heavy users of marijuana i thought it'd be fun to see (laughs) what very heavy users what they say in 1972 that's me me. i mean i'm a very heavy user like i mean i it's wow a lot, a lot. Uh, there you have users. The commission's analysis of frequency, quantity, and duration of marijuana use suggests that the United States is at the present time in a fortunate position. All of the studies available to the commission have indicated that only a minute number of Americans can be designated, designated as very heavy marijuana users. These studies uniformly indicate that chronic, constant intoxication with very potent cannabis preparations is exceedingly rare in this country. <laughs> in the 70s, because I wasn't born yet. Bitches. The commission believes that important distinctions must be made between the daily, moderate and heavy American marijuana user and the very heavy hashish or charas user. I don't know what charas is. In other parts of the world where cannabis is widely cultivated and deeply ingrained. Many of the North African and Asian users do not employ the drug uh, only as an intoxicant in the Western sense. Instead, it is frequently used in folk medicine practice, in religious rites, and as a work adjunct, particularly in those occupations which are physically demanding, monotonous, unintellectual, and offer little possibility for advancement. It's basically like farmers and... Migrant workers. Migrant workers. Well, we have. Let's be high, of course. In these countries, very heavy use is typically associated with young males from a lower socioeconomic background. Nonetheless, Use is more widespread among all ages, and elderly chronic users are not uncommon. Generally, these very heavy users consume high amounts of very potent preparations continually throughout the day, so they are rarely drug-free. This is this is me. Uh, these individuals evidence strong psychological dependence on the drug, requiring compulsive drug-taking. Clear-cut behavioral changes occur in these extreme cases. The very heavy user tends to lose interest in all activities other than drug use. A common (laughs) element of the behavioral pattern is lethargy and social deterioration. Not surprisingly, these users have been held in low esteem when very heavy use has been subjected to societal disapproval in almost all countries. Really? Hmm. 1972. That's 1972. I guess moderate and heavy users... it's a, the moderate and heavy user who, on the outside, averaged 33 times a month. Now, average six and a half cigarettes a day. The range was three and a half to eight cigarettes. Oh, they're with marijuana cigarettes. Yeah. I see. I smoke more than that. I mean, I guess. I well, if that's what they're saying, that. That's a J a day. It, Keeps the doctor away. Yeah, that's nothing. Yeah. No. Wow. Not at all. Wow. Shit, I wish I had a J right now. I know you don't have your you don't have your. Um, I'm out of oil. Thing. Oh, she's. Uh, She's out of oil. I'm out of oil. Um, so I'm, I'm just surprised that this, I, the social impact of marijuana use, there's a whole thing here. Um, and I, marijuana and violent crime doesn't uh. exist. <laughs> Has indicated earlier the belief that marijuana causes or leads to the commission of violent or aggressive acts. <laughs> 
first emerged during the 1930s and became deeply embedded in the public mind. Until recently, however, these beliefs were generally based on the anecdotal case examples of law enforcement authorities, a few clinical observations, and several quasi-experimental studies of selected populations comprised of military offenders, convicted or institutionalized criminals or delinquents, and small groups of college students. Uh, a few efforts were made to compare the incidence of violent or aggressive behavior in representative samples of both user and non-user population. Even in these early observations and investigations, however, no substantial evidence existed of a causal connection between the use of marijuana and the commission of violent or aggressive acts. Indeed, if any relationship was indicated, it was not a positive and direct causal connection, but an inverse or negative statistical correlation. So the higher you got, the less uh, violent you were. Right. Yeah. Duh. Duh. <laughs> like, I'm like, ah, let's, can we just not fight anymore? Like, let's just all get along and smoke a jack. I, I used to get in so many close encounters in bars when I was drunk where, you know, it was like the next morning I wake up and be like, so how close was I to getting my ass beat? Right. You know? And, and ever since I switched the pot, I just stay home. What, you, what would you fight over people? Would you fight over girls or oh, something? Oh, no. You? It was more... Um, People used to like to try and pick fights with friends of mine. Huh. And, uh, Beer I muscles. I, I have this protective side to me where I'm like, no, I won't stand for that. That's not cool. So I'd step in and intercede and wow. bark beer the muscles. other guy down. But yeah. In the bar world, we call those beer muscles. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because as a bartender, I get to see this shit on the, well, <laughs> not on the regular, but it's not unusual. And to me, it's just like alcohol is just so fucking dangerous, but sometimes tastes so good. Um, yeah. Where it's just like, you know, of course, you know, people get so intoxicated, they get angry and they don't know how to control themselves. Yeah. And that's why I think more police should smoke pot. Mm. It, well, most of them turn out to be alcoholics, but they really should indulge. Yeah. Uh, in some, the weight of the evidence is that marijuana does not cause violent or aggressive behavior. If anything, marijuana generally serves to inhibit the expression of such behavior. Marijuana-induced relaxation of inhibitions is not ordinarily accompanied by an exaggeration of aggressive tendencies. No evidence exists that marijuana use will cause or lead to the commission of violent or aggressive behavior by the large majority of psychologically and socially mature individuals in the general population. Thank you, 1972, for coming back and telling us what we already knew. Now, maybe if Jeff Sessions will read that. Right? I mean, maybe we should um, send it to him in the mail or something. Um, This is so we've been... We've been flying all over the place, but we're still on the drug policy minute. We're almost done. You guys are listening to the AltaCast here on MutinyRadio.fm. After this uh, drug policy minutes, we'll we'll take a little break. I think I might have some marijuana in my bag. Uh, we'll we'll work it I out. I have some. Uh, as the use of marijuana for medical purposes began to gain favor in the U.S., the Institute of Medicine decided to weigh in with a comprehensive review in 1999. This was not the first time the IOM had weighed in on the potential therapeutic benefits of marijuana. A 1982 report concluded cannabis and its derivatives have shown promise in the treatment of a variety of disorders. The evidence is most impressive in glaucoma where the mechanism of actions appears to be different from the standard in drugs. In asthma, where the approach isoprotonol ineffectiveness, and wow, they're saying that 
marijuana is good for asthma? I did not yeah. know that. And uh, apparently it's as close as uh, a current pharmaceutically available uh, That's compound. That's crazy. I did not know that. And then the nausea and vomiting of cancer chemotherapy, where they compare favorably with phenothazolines. Smaller trials have suggested, can- suggested cannabis might also be useful in seizures, spasticity, and other nervous system disorders. Both reports from the Institute of Medicine were discounted in the political realm. We have phone call phone call phone call today's marijuana landscape in the united states is vastly different from the one in 1999 currently 28 states have medical marijuana laws and 16 additional states have cbd laws yet last summer the dea announced that it would not reschedule marijuana leaving it with the definition of having no medical value once again the scientific community has come back with evidence against the schedule one categorization of marijuana like the reports that came before it the nas report explicitly calls out marijuana's schedule one status as a barrier that impedes the advancement of cannabis in cannabinoid research. Science has spoken again. Politicians have a choice. They can continue to ignore the, ignore, ignore the evidence brought forth by the scientific community, or they can reevaluate how marijuana is regulated at the federal level. The people are waiting for an answer. This was written by Amanda Ryman, who is the manager of Marijuana Law and Policy at the Drug Policy Alliance. Oh. Here, Drug Policy Alliance, uh, like them. I, I, it sounds like Sweet Gail on the phone. You can put her on if you want. Okay. Right. We'll, we can put her on. We'll put, we'll put you on the air here. There you well, go. I we're, didn't know we're, we're getting so Sweet Gail in. The asthma, would that be, would they use like some kind of tincture or something? With the I wonder if you would smoke it and it would, you know, deliver, you would affect, yeah, so hit the button and hang up the phone. And then. That's fascinating. And then we can that. hear her if you bring up the blue one. There we go. There's sweet Gail. I'll bring it all the way up. Yes. Hey, Gail. Put me on the air. You're on the air, Gail. You're on the altar. Is that you, Pammy? It is. I tell you, did you hear that guy? I think Stephen Colbert, he he made up a new Christmas song. It's, but it's January 18th. It was something about Christmas is now, Christmas is now. So I was thinking, I got to make myself up a Christmas song. (laughs) So I came up with one, and I'm going to, because I like this one. Christmas is full of F's, fruitcakes, family and friends, and a lot of old fucks. That's what Chrissy say. Christmas is full of F's, fruitcakes, family and friends, and a bunch of fucks. And fuck you and old fucking fucking There you see, there's my Christmas song. Doesn't that want to make you all warm and snuggly? It is super warm and snuggly. What did you do for Christmas this year, uh, Gail? I periodically pop my pain pills because I'm on heavy-duty pain medication, which does help me, but I'm still in screaming pain. <laughs> wow. I mean, just imagine if I was one of those people that actually enjoyed pain, because I heard there's some people like that. They actually like to inflict pain on their body, and they get some kind of gratification from that. Imagine if I was one of those people. I would have all this built-in pain and enjoyment. Those are called CEOs. Unfortunately, I'm one of those people that are trying to get rid of it. Loop me, loop me, loop me. So, uh, Gail, what's your, uh, what, what's your favorite music to listen to? My favorite what? Music. What's your favorite, like, band? Oh, man, I like that old stuff, Pretty Woman. And Roy that Orbison, Roy okay. Brown, we'll, we'll play some and Roy that Orbison. one that Elvis said, "Hunk a hunk a hunk a bird in love." 
You know, I like the old stuff. The new stuff, uh... You like the dustest. I don't know. I, it's a lot of noise to me, banging around and noise and, and a lot of screaming and crap. Wait, what new stuff are you listening to? <laughs> What? I said, what, I what, new, stu- what oh. new stuff are you listening to? Me? Uh-huh. Well, I all listen. Well, you said all no, the you... banging stuff around. Cause... Oh. Jerry Lee Lewis. That was banging around. <laughs> yeah, but at least when he's saying something, you can figure out what he was saying. Right, well, we're going to play some Roy Orbison for you. You going to play Pretty Woman? We're going to play Pretty Woman. We are. Yeah, I mean, that's, how many years old is that? And it's still better than a lot of his new shit that's out. Well, he's dead, so he doesn't have any of new shit he's out. Dead, but. but I'm trying to figure out why these people embrace all the embrace noise, and it makes no sense to me. You yeah, I, I, it doesn't make sense to me either. I'm still uh, working on Justin Beaver. <laughs> well, he's ridiculous. Well, we're going to listen to some Pretty Woman uh, here for Sweet Well, that's Gale. why I say I'm ridiculous enough to make money in showbiz. I got to go because someone knocking on my door. Okay, have a good day, Gail.
Thank you, Sweet Gail, for having us listen to some Roy Orbison. Some old school, uh, cool shits. Oh, real dusty. Oh, dusty. Now, this is exciting stuff. And um, I was talking with, I think it was Anna. No, it was on Monday with Alyssa Westerlund on Good News with Alyssa Westerlund. She said, I wish that we could just, everyone in jail for marijuana could just be let go. And, uh, you know, Barack Obama actually has uh, pardoned and given clemency to 273 more individuals. So Obama last year said that there were like 6,000 cases that they wanted clemency for. And he was like, I'm going to work as hard as I can. And he's done like... I think like 1,800 now. Some really great, wonderful number, but now we're up to, I'm sure they'll tell us in this. Uh, But this goes out to you, Alyssa Westerlin, because uh, this is so funny. It was even, this came out yesterday, so you were on the 16th, so your wish was granted. You said you wanted Barack Obama to grant clemency, and he did. Uh, Advocates will push next administration on sentencing reform. Gratitude for Obama's actions put thousands, but thousands remain behind bars. Today, President, this is yesterday. Today, yesterday, President Barack Obama commuted the sentences of 209 people incarcerated in federal prison and handed out 64 pardons. This brings the number of prisoners who have been granted clemency under Obama to 1,597. Yay! His goal, I think, was 1,800, but he's really close. And I thank you, Obama. The commutations and pardons uh, represented the Obama's administration's push to overhaul the criminal justice system, system, making it fairer while saving the government money. President Obama has been pushed to do more to release those serving time in prison under harsh drug laws that have imprisoned an enormous amount of individuals. Just last week, President Obama wrote an article in the Harvard Law Review outlining his administration's work on criminal justice reform. These could possibly be his last round of commutations. I didn't mean to interrupt you. This way, what were you going to say? Oh, no, I was just saying, yay. Yay, yeah. That's all. Uh, Please continue. Yeah, uh, I'm excited about his uh, <laughs> I know Obama Chelsea writing Manning's for Harvard. Uh, yep. So we are grateful for a president's actions, but his new Congress must now step up to the plate on sentencing reform, said Michael Collins, Deputy Director of National Affairs at the Drug Policy Alliance. There are still thousands of people in prison serving unfair sentences for drug offenses, and we need to fix that. Advocates fear that Donald Trump will take a tougher approach to criminal justice, but were heartened when House Speaker Paul Ryan and Senate Judiciary Chair Chuck Grassley, a Republican from Iowa? Is I-A Iowa? Iowa. Recently committed to moving sentencing reform in this Congress. There are thousands of people in prison who should be also be granted their freedom by President Obama, said Tony Papa, media relation manager for the Drug Policy Alliance, who was granted clemency in New York State in 1997 after serving 12 years under the Rockefeller drug laws for a first-time nonviolent drug offense. Papa, who wow. recently received a pardon from the state of New York, just released his new book, This Side of Freedom, Life After Clemency, which highlights the roadblocks he faced after he was released. I am praying that Obama grants every single one of them clemency before he leaves office so they can have a second chance with their lives. Yeah, he uh, granted uh, Chelsea Manning and Oscar Lopez Rivera. Uh, Oscar Lopez Rivera was uh, part of the the people who wanted the Puerto Rican independence. And he had been jailed since 1981. And there was also Chelsea uh, Manning. 
and some people might know her. She was um, one of the officers that kind of uh, heard a little dirty secret about uh, how the American military was actually killing uh, civilians. Ooh. Um, and she, I think she posted it on WikiLeaks or what have you. Yeah, Do I that, have that she right? was she was the first person to be held up for the Wiki, WikiLeaks type. Dump. Did they yeah. call that treason? What did they call it? That's, they did that's call treason. It treason. Yeah. yeah, and you know you can be executed for that. Right, summarily Scary. executed by hanging. Actually, wow, by hanging, yeah, by hanging. That's a terrible way to go. Yeah, but but I guess quick. But I think one of the reasons why she you know got her case overturned was the fact that mattered we were killing civilians right yeah. right it right. was our dirty laundry coming out yeah well it, it wasn't that uh she's still guilty because she, right. her, her sentence was commuted commuted but, excuse me yeah she uh she served seven of 35 years of her sentence so uh you know she's still guilty in the eyes of uh the american people and also the government but uh, at least she's out now yeah because she, I don't think she was doing well in prison. I think, no. I, I think she she had a lot of pro- health problems going on, uh, partly because of the transition and partly just being in jail. Yeah. I don't think anybody does well in prison. I no. mean, I I mean maybe Martha Stewart Martha, was the I only was one say who turned Martha it around. But that's the thing but, is, but she's, Martha, hers is different. Her her jail is different anyway because she was a rich person and they took care of her. And well, no, she, she also was, started hanging with Snoop Dogg, so she's figured out how to mellow out. That. You know, it, I was just right. getting ready to say that like, they were going to do a cooking show together. They already did. Oh, they did it already. It, yeah, it was actually pretty funny. Really, I, I heard it must have been hilarious. Yeah, I was. It was pretty funny. I watched a couple episodes. Yeah, so I would say Martha Stewart. Yeah, because she's everybody now. Everybody likes Martha. Yeah. Martha I mean, and Snoop's. Potluck dinner party. Yeah. Yep. Pot yep. luck. Pot luck. Watch full episodes on VH1. Uh, they've got Snoop adds hood flavor to Martha's gingerbread house <laughs> and go sweet or savory with these holiday dishes. I think that we need to look this up on YouTube and we need to check one of these. <laughs> oh, motherfuckers, out. I, I watched them on Ellen, and it was a stitch because, you know, they come out, and Ellen said something about something being sticky, and Snoop said, my fingers are still sticky from backstage. And Martha goes, Snoop, you can't talk like that now. And uh, the, we, we even have the, we'll, we'll even, we'll, we'll yeah, play we'll, the clip because we'll, it exists. Martha Stewart and Snoop Jog share a taste of their new show on Ellen. Good times. We're moving uh, to the lighter note of the show. <laughs> yeah, right? I know. Well, I, I got to tell you, I love Snoop Dogg. Did and I love Martha Stewart. Like, I, there couldn't be two people that I'd want to see more of. So Martha has been here uh, recently. You've not been here in nine years since you've been, been here. Long? Yeah, nine years. I don't know what happened. Oh. How come? I don't know. You were with my mother last time, remember? Oh, yeah. Yeah. What a lady. Yeah. She, what a, <laughs> she said, what a man. Um, <laughs> You were, since, since you've been here, you were Snoop Dogg when you were here, yeah. then you became Snoop Lion, uh-huh. as Snoop Adelic, uh, Snoop Zilla, uh-huh. and now you're back to Snoop Dogg? I found my way back home. All right, all right. <laughs> Snoop Zilla. Yeah. What are you making? What kind of cocktail? This is called the laid back, and what it is, it's uh, <laughs> Tangeray tin uh-huh. mixed with some Ciroc apple with a little bit of club soda, and then we have an ice ball that Martha's gonna start, you know. I like making ice balls for yeah. my drinks. She you ever make one? I don't know what an ice ball is. I never knew what ice ball was either. very heavy, this Oh, thing. man. It's amazing so, when she makes these so. balls come out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm 
just no, the, the weight of this just it reduces that square of ice to the most perfect ball. Wait till you see. Really? The yeah. I've never ice. known it. I can see it's melting already. Yeah, it melts yeah. it. It's okay, so we're making a ball right now, and yeah. in the meantime. In the meantime, in between time, I'm going to do this thing. Wait a minute, hold on, where's my little mixer at? Right there, right there, that little glass thing. This right here? Yeah. Okay, here we go. Martha and Snoop are fucking. See, Martha has to always correct me in the kitchen because she's my teacher. She's teaching me how to so learn. So this is Jen and that's Teaching Vodka? me how to learn. <laughs> she's teaching me how to learn. Okay. You know we do this. Better than one. And what? What's that? Club soda. Oh, A little bit of clit nub because you know we may be in the club later. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and then you put a little bit of that is an apple. Pineapple, that is. Uh huh. Not regular apple. No. And then, no, 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 not regular. And then how do I shake it, Martha? There's Talk the to top me. right there. This is the top? Yeah. This goes on there? That goes on there. Tight. 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 Okay, now shake. This is all your bling, Martha. It is. Yeah, Snoop has his bling around his neck, you know, and <laughs> I have my bling in the kitchen. This is yeah. bling. That's bling. Oh, I'm like shooting dice now. Seven. <laughs> <laughs> Once you get it nicely mm. mixed, you take the top and put it back over there. You make a nice glass for your first guest. Look. Wow, look at that. There's a beautiful little ice so ball. So the heaviness or is there heat in there as no, well? No, no heat. Just, just the heaviness and the kind of metal it is just melts that square. So you make one, and Andy's trying to move us along, but it makes one ball at a time. Yeah, so one at a time. You just make a lot of square ball, squares fight. and then how's, mm -hmm. how's it taste? I need my ball. Give me a ball. Oh, here. Thanks, Martha. There. That is you, actually too good because you wouldn't know there's mm. alcohol in it. Right? You drink I would. You right? drink that real fast. <laughs> hey, we usually have a toast, too. We have to have a toast oh, yes. to the All boogie. Right. To success and nothing less. We back on Allen. <laughs> Perfect. All right. So this is fun. This is, um, we wanted to... What are they going to make now? The kinds of things we cook on the show. Not simple all the time. This no. is gnocchi. Oh, they're going to make gnocchi. Yeah. Yeah. Do you like gnocchi? Oh, yeah, I love it. Do you know how to spell okay. it? Uh, Y-N-O-K-I. <laughs> <laughs> no. That sounds like some Hawaiian. All right. So here's a little piece for you, Ellen. Put Big some flour down, and, and bench flour, we call it. And roll that into roll a little piece of that into a snake. You can use that as your cutter. Here, Snoop. Uh, shoot, this is too easy. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna yeah. we're gonna stop this. But we're gonna look for another. I want to see, I want to see, I want to see their actual show. Uh, Snoop <laughs> makes mashed potatoes with Martha. There you go. Uh, the game of things with Miley Cyrus, Martha Stewart, and Snoop Dogg. What is going on? Yeah, it's VH1. That's Ellen. It was Ellen being oh. cute. I see. I see. I see. Um, actually, I think that this one is actually from the actual Martha Stewart show, and he he's on there with. I I find this fascinating that the two of them are now like a thing. Here here's Snoop Dogg again. again. Uh -huh. um, the potatoes have been boiled. Here, I've never done it with a machine. Yeah, that was well, easy. So how do you do it with a? Yeah, we in the hood. We like. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so just peel the potatoes. Oh, this is from uh, back you can peel them with your fingers. Wow, they've been friends forever. Yeah. Yeah. No, this one. This one needs to be peeled. See, like this. Just take the peels off. Peel. Like making fresh fries. The skin. We make. Fries. <laughs> She's That's yelling at him like no, my no, mom no, would no, yell no, at just me. Just the skin. Just just the skin. Look. This. Just peel the skin off. Oh, see? you want me to take the skins in yeah, off of it? The skins in. Whatever. Potato chip wrapping. Okay. So you have a you have your own vocabulary. Now you are really responsible for your vocabulary, right? You are the inventor of it. Yeah, so much, so much. Okay. And does everybody understand you? I mean, do your kids no. understand you? No, they don't. <laughs>
And, and you know what's crazy, Martha? What? I don't even understand it, so that's oh. the great part about it. <laughs> you just have fun with it. I just it. have fun talking. And so uh, you have a new album coming out yes, or, uh, uh, for Christmas, right? Yeah, I put out oh, so, Christmas. Oh, so like, are you going to sing like traditional Christmas? Oh, no. Oh, no? Santa Claus. I got songs like Santa Claus Go Straight to the Ghetto. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. So this is this is going to be a wrap. Look a at him peel this, this potato. He's like daintily peeling, like okay, yeah. tiny little Quite bits. Different. Yeah, he, he's okay, not so using that, a potato peeler. Perfect. He's using his fingers. See, he's a he's a perfectionist. Now, you know that. In there, and we'll just mash, mash those up and put the whole stick of butter. The whole thing. Yeah, we love butter. Don't you love is butter? This bar, is this parquet or margarine? No, no. This is butter. This is butter? Real butter. I used to like that commercial. Unsalted butter. And look. Parquet. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we like, I use real butter. I don't, I don't use uh, parquet. Is that butter, too? No, this is cream cheese. How? Can I get a little? And cream cheese. She does it right. How high is Snoop Dogg? Oh, 11. High. Out of 10. As fuck. Yeah. It's a, and I put cream cheese in my mashed potatoes too, Martha. Ditto. This Really? Ditto. Absolutely. Ditto. You just have to watch. The, you have to put enough salt because sometimes it, it blends it out too much. This is one of my favorite clips ever of Martha. It's when she got out of prison and um, David Spade came on and she taught him how to do things with prison stuff like like one of the things is Commissary making food right right but making prison nachos like how do you oh make God. a greater this is it was great and i have never seen this this one, this one is great this is martha stewart davis Bay. well please welcome my alter ego the very very funny david spade <laughs> Dragging a fluffy dog. Everyone in the audience is wearing like the ponchos that her inmate knit for her too. Well, David, welcome. I see you have your ankle bracelet, yeah. your poncho, and uh, poor little Francesca. Yeah. You're holding her by the ear. Hey, say hello to my little friend. <laughs> well, you're not going to need Super that. Right here. You're not going to need that ankle bracelet any longer. Can you just? All right, let's get up there. That's not there. I just want to show you my clogs. <laughs> David likes the clogs. Yeah. I think he's going to adopt them. I'm getting every color. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this is uh, Francesca and this is uh, Paprika. <laughs> her, her dogs are named Chinchin and Papa. Just, they're friends. Well, well you know, I, I, was, I, I really sort of enjoyed watching the skit. You, you made fun of a very serious thing, you know. Yeah, I got a little scruffy in there. Yeah, I know. Sorry about that. But I thought uh, I thought you uh, played me very well. All in good fun. And yeah. my, my DVD is almost worn out from showing it. I, oh, I, I show it to everybody who comes for dinner because I so think it's do so I. Funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's, 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 there wasn't a thing. Dang it! Um, I was hoping that you guys would be able to see that. Well, I love David Spade, and I and I love I love that Martha's back. Uh, Her prison was like more of like a nice uh country club or camp though right i i don't high-end prison probably i mean I think, okay so i think they had tennis courts have you yeah. <laughs> they have tennis courts have you seen orange is the new black yes. oh yeah okay so the last season where they left us off we have the martha stewart-esque character but it's like martha stewart meets paula dean right yeah, oh, okay. and she's had the ecstasy and she's like and now she's like i'm stuck in the prison now um but i'm sure it was similar to that right where 
No. She was in a real prison, but it was like, I'm motherfucking Martha Stewart. Like, I'm, you get me, I want, you, you know, like, she couldn't have eaten regular prison food. Oh, no, no, she definitely didn't. I yeah. can't imagine no, that. No, no, she had decent food. I, I think there there are pictures of her in prison on the internet. Yeah. Well, let's look those up. Yeah. I, I'm so glad that you guys are also interested. I mean, I think, I can't believe that she's, do you know she's 71? Really? She's, she, she looks is, good. She's like she looks the really Dick good. Clark, the new Dick Clark, she never ages. I mean, well, Dick Clark did after that stroke. Yeah, but I mean, you but know, yeah. that was a quick decline. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I feel for the guy. He, he, he truly was an icon. Yeah. And now look. Well, he's dead. Sorry. Uh, Martha Stewart. Well, so this is funny, too. Um, when Martha Stewart was indicted, I um, actually dressed as, for Halloween, I dressed up as Martha Stewart in prison, and I wore, like, a jumpsuit. And I, That was the um, hot outfit that year. Yeah. Well, then, Martha Stewart living, decorating small spaces, irresistible recipes with bread and water. <laughs> <laughs> and crafts, ideas with silver bracelets. Um, I looked up Martha Stewart in jail, and I, and I don't, uh, I'm not seeing... Aww. Real pictures oh, of her. That 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 blue cell looks. Oh, that's not real. Martha Stewart prison cell picture. This is a joke. This nah, has got to be yeah. a joke. That, that now I can. It, when yeah. it was small, it looked more realistic. Right now, there's Martha Stewart cooking with her thing. I, I mean, I just. She really. She she's a person who she went to jail and, and it didn't it didn't affect her that much after with her and I think it actually helped her. I I think it helped her. It do, it totally helped her with her cool status. Yeah. It totally did. You know. Usually she's like one of the first people I can remember like getting out of jail and not feeling like like shit. She's just like, yeah, I went to jail, but I'm gonna continue with my show. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And then I'm gonna hang out with some real niggas. Right. Ah. Well, now. And and her and her her cookbooks are pretty amazing. I mean, <laughs> I have a bunch of them. So. Uh, is 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 that the only person your this favorite is not person a out of prison? Pam, is it what out of is prison? That, is that your only favorite person out of prison? Yeah, I really don't have any other. I, I, let's see, maybe Nelson Mandela. He was pretty yeah. cool, right? Yeah. Oh he was yeah, pretty cool when he got out of prison. How dare us not mention him? Right. Well, <laughs> and it was. Um, did anybody do anything special for Martin Luther King Day on 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 a uh, Monday? I oh. uh, no, I, I was black. I worked. <laughs> I was black. I was black. That's all. Is that what you did for? That's what you did for Martin Luther King Day. You were black. I was black. Yeah. And nothing happened. So that's a good thing. So that was a good this, MLK day. This is. Uh, we found. I found this. Take a tour of America's cushiest prison. Uh, nobody wants to go to prison, but following the recent sentencing of Rajat Gupta for insider trading, we wondered where white-collar criminals would go if they had to. In choosing America's fanciest prison, we considered whether they had high-profile nonviolent inmates and what kind of amenities they offer. Federal prison camp in Alderson, West Virginia, is our pick. This is the women's prison where Martha Stewart spent five months in 2004 and 2005, other famous inmates have gone there too. They got to enjoy yoga and other luxuries other uh, inmates in other prisons don't have. Uh, the 159-acre minimum security prison camp is nestled in the scenic hills near Greenbrier State Forest on the bank of the Greenbrier River. The small town of Alderson, West Virginia is located east across the river. 
wanted to see more. The, the, oh, here we go. There are all the... The Greenbriars where uh, the president goes to play golf, and uh, there's uh, the emergency nuclear bunker under the hotel there. Wow. What? The main entrance to FPC uh, Alderson, it says uh, the Department of Justice, Bureau of Prisons, blah, 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 authorized traffic only. It's actually kind of a pretty little gate. It's really nice. Built in 1928, the prison is actually the first federal prison for women. The prison camp follows a reformatory model in which cottages are built around unfenced grounds. The low security prison had one famous escapee. Um, and it says, source Paula Johnson, inner lives, voices of African American women. Oh, that's in prison. an ad. Oh, that's an, ah, I see. Uh, Lynette Squeaky Fromm was sentenced to life in prison after her attempt to assassinate President Gerald Ford in 1975. She escaped Alderson in 1987, but was recaptured two days later and was ultimately released in 2009. So here, here, uh, more, more, I want to know about this cushy prison. Oh, this is nice. Class taught in the 1930s. There's a picture of ladies learning. <laughs> During her time at Alderson, Fromm had access to a wide range of educational courses from GED classes to college classes to vocational training. The prison also had a number of recreational classes. Yoga, which Martha Stewart reported, reportedly started, fitness, aerobics, cosmetology, and stress relief. There's Martha. Martha was sentenced to five months in prison after she was found guilty of insider trading, which everybody does, by the way. She told the Washington Post that her daily interactions with staff and fellow inmates here at Alderson are marked by fair treatment and mutual respect. Fans sent her more than 15,000 emails her first month there. I wrote her an email. Really? <laughs> A typical prison cell at FCP Alderson. It doesn't look that cushy. I mean, it's a bunk and a bunk and a little area and a... There's Very a window. Dusty. All inmates have access to email at five cents per minute, a common area, television room, and library. There's also an electronic library, law library, a hospital, a chapel, and an education building. It doesn't, it doesn't look that cushy. Well, that's pretty. FCP's Alderson's main building. When she wasn't getting fan mail, Stewart did maintenance, including scrubbing floors and cleaning offices. All inmates must hold jobs at the prison unless they have a medical condition which prohibits them. Most inmates get holidays off. In addition, apprenticeship programs are offered for teacher assistants, cooks, electricians, among others. All right. Inmates walking on the grounds within the complex. And when they're not working, they can wander the grounds. Inmates are allowed to exit the buildings after the morning count, but must sign out and specify where they are going, and they have to return to their dorms by 4 p.m. I guess normal prisons, you're not allowed to walk around. No, no. This, this sounds like boarding school. Yeah, it totally does. There's a picture of a sewing course in the 30s and 40s at Alderson. Like, like, I'm pretty waspy, and this sounds like my middle school. Right? Yeah. In the 30s and 40s, sewing was part of the vocational training program, and during that era, the prison had perhaps its most famous inmate... I want it to be Marilyn Monroe. Did she go to that? Billie Holiday. Yeah. The jazz singer and songwriter served time in the 1940s for drug possession. Mm-hmm. What? Uh, okay, so there we go. That, that was the America's cushiest uh, heroin, prison. Heroin, by the way. Heroin. She was, it was heroin. It was mm-hmm. heroin. That's how she could sing so well. <laughs> uh, so... We'll do well, one last Martha thing here. This is this is their this is their tr- super trailer. I can't believe I haven't seen this yet, and it premiered November seventh. 
Yeah. I can't believe I didn't know this existed well, now well, until it. now. It's on VH1. It's easy to miss. It's yeah. Well, and I don't have a TV anyway, so. Welcome. Me too. I'm you are cordially invited. Three cheese pizza with spinach and mint and a topping of delectable black truffles. It sounds delightful. So delicious. <laughs> Just to clarify, I'm not high right now. But whoever gave us this show, they must have been. There's like cheerleaders in the background. Welcome to Martha and Snoop's hot luck dinner party. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm gonna start throwing dishes unless we get going. Yeah. Well, let's go then. You're sexy, you look amazing. You're raising my temperature. Give it to him, Martha. <laughs> you are definitely hood certified, baby. I'm excited to be here. This is the weirdest group of people ever on a stage together. <laughs> I make fried chicken a wee bit better than Snoop. Oh, Snoop, look at this. Oh, wow, look at this. <laughs> it's a piece of weave in there. <laughs> Martha, let me try that again. I want to add the truffle topping. It's like a mushroom. It's like a mushroom. Do it do what mushrooms do? Because if it is, I'm a fan of truffles now. <laughs> you can grate the nutmeg. You want me to break these nuts? No, I want you to grate them. Grate these nuts? Great. <laughs> oh, great these nuts. So there it is. Snoop and Mark. I can't believe I didn't know about that. Yeah, that was a couple months ago. <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm lost in Mutiny Radio. I like every, everything, everything here. I'm such, I'm, I've said it before too. I'm like, I'm a selfish, horrible person. Like everyone else's lives continue going on and like, there's supposed to be another wedding this Friday, and I'm like, God, I can't. Oh, wow. I don't really, really want to go because I've got a happy hour. I mean, I guess I can I can have people sub and be there, but I'm like, yeah, I'd rather just stay at the station. <laughs> I don't really want to go to the wedding. Oh, what am I going to wear? Uh, well, and that's the thing. I, I, at this point, I hate weddings. I think they're so pointless and stupid. I love uh, weddings. The reception is my favorite. <laughs> you know, and I just don't even, I don't even... I don't even care that much. I feel like the reception is so that you can like give them a gift. I just I no. feel like it's so Yeah, for the little cocktail shrimp and shit. Cocktail and, shrimp and, and like open bar. Yeah, man. Yeah, the food's never as good as you think it want it to, to be. Great weddings. Oh, man. I, I I just I don't want to go to this wedding this weekend. <laughs> I I just like <sighs> I just rather stay here and listen to comedy. Is that awful? That's no, it's kind no, of that's, bad. That's not good. at all. You know, I got my uh, fraternity brother the best wedding gift. Yeah. I got him bed sheets. <laughs> and I, I wrote this cute little note in it about never going to bed angry and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, really I sent them because uh, now he'll have to think of me every time he does it with his girl. <laughs> Thinks of you every time. That's, that's, or when uh, she gets her period. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> I, I've been doing a terrible... <laughs> I, I've, uh, I've ridden the dragon before. Is that what it's called? I don't know. I just uh, that was off the top You've of got, my head. You, in other words, we call it. You got your red wings. Oh, I, oh, I just, oh, that sounds awful. I learned that in high school. I, I just I haven't had sex in so long. I don't even remember what it's like. What's that? I, 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 it's been. I I don't even. Well, that's so funny. The, I think the my last mommy time, and daddy do it. The last time I had sex, I was blackout drunk, and that's the oh only God. time I've had it in this new year. So in this new year, the only time I've had sex, I don't remember it. Wow. Listeners, so, we don't. We don't want you to have blackout well, drunk. Well, it sex. wasn't my fault. Um, <laughs> 
it, it was, was the alcohol I, fault. No, I didn't know that the at the second was a Monday, and so it was a bank holiday. And so I went to go get food at my favorite bar. I'd, I'd had a couple drinks, and it was done with Joke Workshop, and I was like, I need to get food. Went to the bar and um, ordered drinks before we realized that the kitchen was closed. And then I had to drink these two IPAs, and it was already after 9 o'clock, and, you know, and I hadn't eaten anything, and I... I had a couple IPAs here at the station during Joke Workshop, and so I think it was only five IPAs, but but no food. But with no food, like I blacked out. You, you know, Shit. I I once wound up dating a lawyer for three months because I blacked out because I forgot to eat all day. We went on this date and I had three 11% IPAs. Yeah. And I I I know I walked her home because I have a vague recollection of that, but I don't remember the most of the date. So I texted her the next day. I was like, I'm so sorry if I was a mess last night. Blah blah blah. blah. Can we have a do-over? And she goes, No, you were fine. Right? And then you know the next night I'm having this conversation where it's like, Hey, you know, we've only got like a month, maybe three months before I got to skip town and move into San Francisco. This is when I lived in Brooklyn. Right. And uh, she goes, yeah, you told me all that last night. <gasps> and I was like, oh, so you're, you're, you're down for that. You're cool. And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, I'm really embarrassed that I have to be told twice. But, you know, at least right, we're on right, the same right, page. Right. Wow. That's hilarious. <laughs> Kids Wait. don't drink. Yeah. Well, or, I, I mean, I never. I, and that's the same thing. As I feel like, oh, I'm, I'm telling the same stories over and over. And I, Although I, I guess I actually, actually, you know, based on how well that relationship went, because it was kind of this mutual fun thing. I, yeah. Drink a lot. Drink, drink, drink tons because ever since then I've just had no good luck. Well, and there's a there's a thing that happens with I, I thought you went you were like you had a relationship for three months and you didn't remember it, but people who used to take Ambien, which is oh. like a forced blackout, which is like drinking too much, you just don't create memories. There have been people who have had total relationships on Ambien and oh. they don't understand. In the morning he's a big jerk and she's like, last night we named all of our children like we were talking about babies and getting married and he's like you're an insane person and like would accuse her of being absolutely crazy and she's like didn't realize until way later that it was the Ambien wow <laughs> yeah I don't fuck with Ambien and I've either. been blacked out but you know whatever it happens just don't be sloppy about it. That's all. Yeah. That, I can't tell if I'm being sloppy, which is the bummer. I hope I'm not being sloppy because I've had to do that apologizing the next day, too. Like, I am so sorry if this date went. And they're like, oh, no, you said we were talking politics and you're into it, but everything else was fine because that's my go-to when I guess when I get blackout. <laughs> you I get talk my, about politics? I totally get on my soapbox and I start talking politics, which is why I don't know. But it's like it, that's the one thing I start talking about and I go on a ramp. And I've heard this from many, many, many of my friends. So that's when people that's know like, oh. Funny. She's gone. <laughs> I put her to bed. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> uh, Maybe it just turns me on. I don't know. I, I, I have an issue now with, uh, it was with drinking too, but smoking weed and getting horny. <laughs> like every time I smoke, I'm like, God, I am horny. <laughs> but I'm too, you know, lacking motivation to get off the couch and do anything it's about it. Like, <laughs> it's too, because everything's so far. <sighs> yeah. The phone's too hard to operate. And Is that all you got to do? You just got to get that text out there and just the ladies that, just come so a flocking. Send that text. Uh, so we're going to listen to a little Snoop Dogg here. This is Smoke Weed Every Day, Every Day. <laughs> 
motherfucking Eagle Double G. Snoop Dogg. Da, 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 da. You know I'm hopping with the D-R-E. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know who's back up in this motherfucker. Shit up. DPGC, my nigga, turn that shit up. CPT, LBC, yeah, we hooking back up. And when they bang this in the club, baby, you got to get up. Thug niggas, drug dealers, yeah, they giving it up. Low life, yo life, boy, we living it up. Taking chances while we dancing in the party for sure. Slip my hoe a 44 when she got in the back door. Bitches looking at me strange, but you know I don't care. Step up in this motherfucker just to swing in my hair. Bitch, quit talking, quit walk if you're down with the sick. Take a bullet with some dick and take this dope on this jet. Out of town, put it down for the father of rap. And if your ass get cracked, bitch, shut your trap. Come back, get back. That's the part of success. If you believe in the ass, you'll be relieving the stress. It's the motherfucking DRE. Dr. Dre, motherfucker. I'm mobbing with the D.O. Devil G. Straight off the fucking streets of CBT. King of the beach, you ride to him in your fleet. Whoop, the field rolling on dubs. How you feel, whoop-de-whoop, nigga, what? Praying Snoop Chronic down in the lag. With Doc in the back, sipping on yak. Clipping the strap, dipping through hood. Compton, Long Beach, Inglewood. South Central, out to the west side. This California love, this California bug. Got a nigga gang of pub. I'm on one, I might bell up in the Century Club. With my jeans on, and my team's strong. Get my drink on, and my smoke on. Then go home with something to poke on. Up, Locus song for the two triple O. Coming real, it's the next episode. Episode, episode, episode. Hold up. Hey, all my niggas who be thinking we soft, we don't play. We gon' rock it till the wheels fall off. Hold up. Hey, all my niggas who be acting too bold, take a seat. Hope you're ready for the next episode. Hey, smoke weed every day. It's the last hurrah of the season before we all go on diets. Speak for yourself, Martha. <laughs> the only diet I go on is a gin and juice cleanse. <laughs> As you can see, we're really getting into the holiday spirit here. And over here, I'm especially proud of this festive gingerbread house. I love gingerbread houses. Ooh. What the heck? <laughs> Did you touch my gingerbread house? Yes. But I made some renovations. <laughs> it's the holiday. And we should think about the gingerbread people who have fallen on hard times. Maybe their neighborhood went south and bad cookies parked right on the front lawn. Maybe their kids got bullied by other gingerbread kids who threw their sneakers up on the power lines. And their electricity got turned off, so they had to run a long licorice cord from the house to next door. Well, I really feel like the property value of my gingerbread house is going down and down and down. That's what I'm talking about, Mark. They had to put candy bars on the windows to keep out the riffraff. 
So there you have it, Martha. It's round the way Willie wants. I think I need a drink now. I'm right behind you. Wow. And that's an example of Martha and Snoop Dogg together. They're acting. That's awful. They're, their scripting is really bad. Yep. And uh, I'm wondering where their teleprompters were for that little uh, thing. They've got carolers on the set. But at least they're committing to the bit, right? They're committing <laughs> to the bit. Absolutely. To the corniness. Yes. Commit yeah. to your corniness. Oh, God. Uh, well, Martha and Snoops, you guys can find it. They, It's like, so are they selling out or buying in? I think both. I honestly think both. Because they're... They're, they're, yeah. they're, their names are already you already know them by names everybody knows them it's the fact of like they're crossing different demographics yeah, of they, people and I think that part is cool they, they know their brands and they know they're a product at this point so they just gotta relabel and market the product yeah. well, and they're calling it the potluck dinner party this is yeah. basically Martha Stewart saying I'm okay with weed I'm a cool old lady here's another one this is she probably knows her how to it's about trees. We still had stockings. We hung them by the door. Where we can hang them at? No, we we had a big tree, and uh, one year I covered my tree in blue angel hair. It looked so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it was the worst decoration I ever did. She's so high right now. I like white trees. Oh no, I have I have I, I think I have about 25 trees in my house at Christmas time. I like the white ones. I have they gold so trees, cute. white trees. I have a pink tree. I have a tinsel tree. I have a turkey feather tree. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah. coming over. Yeah. What you wear about that? So many trees. Every room has at least two or three trees in it. Well, my, I have a lot of trees. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Even the DJ's laughing. I, I have a lot coming. of trees at my house in different rooms as well, Mark. <laughs> I have trees upstairs, downstairs, <laughs> in my man cave. There are trees everywhere. Do you have a man cave? Trees yeah, under the cave. seat, trees in the trunk. I guess, <laughs> I guess I would be considered a, a botanist, right? Definitely. Yeah. Arborist. An uh, arborist? Yes. Arborist with a little botany in it. <laughs> okay. So. Pam, I suggest you, when you have nothing else to do, or the next time you're sick, just binge watch. Oh, I'm gonna binge watch them. I won't I make us watch anymore. I just think it's crazy that <coughs> what's okay. It, it, what's happening in the world that this is possible? I think it's that's become socially also, acceptable. Yeah, I think it's it's awesome. that weed is fine, and we're all like on board with it. Yep. And that's that's why Snoop Dogg and Martha Stewart can have a show together called Potluck Dinner Party. Thank God. Thank God for America, right? See, that's the cool part of, about America. About America. Yeah. I mean, the fact of the matter, you're getting these two people who would never step foot in either each other's world, but you have them doing this. You know, I, I think that shit's dope as hell. I really do. I, I actually... I, I, I think I, the show's corny, but... Yeah, yeah it's know. super corny. It's well, corny. I mean, they, they have to make it safe for the Midwest, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm from there. We don't have to play... We don't always like things yeah. too safe. It, I, I was watching a documentary the other night on Netflix. 
because you know. And, which uh, which one? This, I've been. I'm I also. I think this one was called Stevie. Stevie. Or Steven or Stevie. It's about this guy who. Uh, oh, I watched this too. He goes back to the kid he was yes. a foster kid for. Yes. He was a big brother, like yes. big brothers and sisters. Yes. And the kid wound up having a miserable life after right. he left. Yeah. And, and then he turned out to. Well, I, I, I won't well, go. It's okay. It. He doesn't spoil it too much. He, yeah, he kind of becomes a child monster. Yeah, he became. Stevie? And, and this is, this yeah. Is Stevie or Steven, one of those, or something like yeah. that. He has a retarded girlfriend. Yeah, mentally handicapped, yeah. Right. I was a special ed teacher for four years, so I get to throw the word retarded around. It's fair. I, I don't, so. I was married to a black guy, but I still don't use the N-word. <laughs> Even though 13 years, Dude, still can't think, do it. I think your hat is retarded, and that means cool. Oh. It used to. Right. Well, and, but like I, mean like, yeah. I mean it like, I mean it like actually retarded, like there. Oh, yeah. We have to retard your behavior right now. <laughs> But um, continue. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. The I forgot story. the point of that one. Yeah, <laughs> I had a point. That he didn't smoke enough weed. Um, well, well, actually, he did smoke a lot of weed in that movie. But uh, I only made it about halfway in. But there was something, something very interesting about it related to the last thing we were talking about. But I'm so high, I can't remember what that was. So child molester. Weird, weird Is things happening in. Well, I, I, I we were watching it. We can, we can Sherlock this train. We can find that thought. That I don't, thought I don't know track. if it was a good enough thought to continue down that well, track. Well, the, the, the Steve thing is it well and it'll bring me to this netflix is shaping all of our worlds i mean i i watched one last week and i cried and cried uh. it was awful it was it was great but it was terrible it's this one um about the the girls who get gang or get raped and then they're even videotaped and they show pictures around and then the guys just totally get off <sighs> this Ew. marysville case this um this poor girl daisy and this one girl killed herself these guys she went to a party and she got super wasted and she went upstairs. They, somebody carried her upstairs and then they got markers and they drew all over her like slut bag and you know, whatever, like, you know, insert here. But then a guy actually fucked her with the pen and left it in there and they took pictures and they like painted half her face in Sharpie or whatever. And all the pictures got around the school and... There's, they show up in the Facebooks before she kills herself where they're like, she's like, my reputation will never be the same. Everybody oh, thinks I'm a slut, which is uh. all this stuff. And then she kills herself. And so those two guys, this, the movie was like being made as a real documentary and they're in it even though they cartoonize them because it was part of the thing. The, the parents did a civil suit after and they're like, we don't want your money. We want you to apologize and to never let this happen again to like, you know, girls and stuff. And it makes me think about Trump's America because this is a 17 year old guy where they all thought it was okay to get a drunk 14 year old girl super drunk and then rape her and the whole thing was like well she didn't say no Oh my she couldn't God. not and the, and the policeman in that and it gets thrown out of court and everything and, and you hear the policeman and he's talking on the video and he's like well it's a tricky thing because you know she didn't not give consent it, it, like it's yes. consent wasn't what? even a thing it was like it, but they blamed the girl and they ended up having to move towns because it became this big thing once the guys got off and they're like she's a liar she's a slut and a liar but there were people that had video of it the whole town was against her because these were like the football guys and it's just it's really sad though and that's what's going to happen in trump's america we've already we've already had a problem with the subjugation of women we've already we know that rape is a political and and a power statement and that that poor girl was raped and uh and then the guys got off. So what does that what does that teach them that you can get away with it? A, if you have enough money or enough power, and B, 
you can do that to women anyways. I mean, we can just grab women by the pussy now. It's not a problem. Well, like, mean, she's, oh, she's passed out? Well, that's her problem. Well, I I'm, mean, we have a bunch of Brock Turners that are walking around. I mean, yeah. that, you know, six months ain't shit, you know. Yeah. You know, it's it's Re- released from jail after three months. Oh, excuse me, you're right, three months. Yeah, yeah released from jail after six. six. He only served right. three. The yeah. Stanford's uh, university swimmer bowed his head as he rushed past a bunch of. Uh, it's. <sighs> That's the kind of society, the sick, disgusting society that we live in. Yeah. Yep. You know, these are mothers and daughters and sisters and aunts. These are, you know, women are people who give birth and life, and this is how we're treated. You know, well, it just—I no mean, justice it, for our bodies, right? Right, or that property, exactly. And that's the thing that's terrible is that when people feel that they can overpower you, either overpower you, or I really think the drunk thing—it's a 14-year-old girl cannot the, the the blame cannot be put on her because she's drunk. Absolutely, no. No. she's experimenting. There's things happen. I mean, how much can you? I mean, God, I didn't drink when I was 14, but if you have like. You know, but that's their a couple that's a classic, sips. That's the classic excuse for a lot of like, um, you know, a lot of the court cases use for the fact of well, she was intoxicated. That is the classic excuse. Just because she was intoxicated does not give anyone the right to be violated. Right. No. Point blank. Just or what she was wearing. That's right, right, these right, are all right, the classic right, right. cases of well she was dot 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 something. Right. You know. She asked for it. Uh, armed protesters outside the house of Brock Turner's parents castrate rapists. Do you guys think we should castrate rapists? Yes. <gasps> that was another movie that I saw on the Netflix. It shapes everything. It was a movie with Hard uh, Candy? Yes. Oh hard God. Candy. I have a story about Hard that. Candy. Tell us. Okay. Hard Okay. First, give a little synopsis so people so, know what so it's about. So the movie Hard Candy stars uh, Ellen Page and Ellen that guy Page. who's in every like the horror movie hair. now. What yeah. is that guy's name? I, I have no know. idea. He shows up in like all the Amityville stuff and all that. Yeah. He's just that guy, and you're always like, oh, it's that guy with the glasses. He's yeah. that guy. Well, anyway, you know how he looks like, you know, a little bit like a pedo. Well, that's his character in this movie is a pedophile <laughs> who's trying to. Uh, uh, lure Ellen Page to his house to uh, take advantage of her but lo and behold Ellen Page is actually the predator yes. because she has a plan to castrate him uh, and so I'm watching this movie and I've seen this movie before I saw it when I was in when it first came out and I was in college awesome. oh wow and uh, it got to that scene, but I was watching it with this girl I was trying to impress. Oh. <laughs> so we're sitting on my couch, right, Snuggling. watching this movie. And the thing is, oh. I studied film. I know how this whole shot's composed and everything that's going on. And I still, for some odd reason, had this body reaction. It was probably because I did a whole bunch of edibles beforehand. Right. Where I reacted like it was actually happening. Oh. And I went into shock. <gasps> And fainted and passed out <laughs> and came to in a pool of my own sweat going, what, what happened? And, and she's just looking at me and I was like, yeah, if you want to go, that's cool. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and she went. And she went. <laughs> she laughed. She oh, laughed. Oh, because I, I, you passed I, out? That's well, no, and I, I give it to her. I was like, yeah, I wouldn't stick around for that either. I mean, <laughs> you know. There was no ass 
No. Because of watching Hard Candy. No. If, a, as there shouldn't be. No, no I know. <laughs> I, if you would have gotten to the end of that, at the end of that movie, I mean, how do you even? Yeah. How do you transition? How that do you transition into a sexy time? I'm sorry. I laughed and I thought of Lorena Bobbitt. Yeah. And I was just like. And I, I kind of cheer because I was just like, I was one of those people. I thank God I watched it at home. But I was just like, that's what you get, you fucking rapist. <laughs> I, was, I just had this moment of relief. Like, yeah, that's what you. Well, and once you find out that he was really implicated in the thing yeah. that she was accusing him of, I was like, yeah, yeah, kill that guy. Yeah, it, it, it was a very interesting movie. And it was interesting in a storyteller perspective yes. where yes. You, when you believe him and don't believe and when you, you think she's very crazy, ambiguous. it was very ambiguous yeah. and they, they keep switching sides where you feel you feel for him. You feel, yeah, for... You feel for him and then you don't and, yeah. and uh, that all happens. This is very sad what uh, Brock... Turner's father said, and oh, this makes God. me angry. Oh, Let me do a pool. His life will never be the one he dreamed about and worked so hard to achieve. Dan A. Turner wrote a letter arguing that his son should receive probation, not jail time. That is a steep price to pay for 20 minutes of action out of his 20 plus years of life. Action? I hate that. I hate that. You are the reason that he raped her. The father should be the one that should go to jail because if you are calling rape action as if it's a sexual, like, like it's just another sexual contra- conquest for your son because that's where his self worth comes from, was being a strong athlete and, and who fucking said it was girls 20 minutes? I mean, it's, who said it was 20 minutes? He will never be his happy go lucky self again with an easygoing personality and a welcoming smile. Oh, yeah, because he's, he's a registered re- sex offender he's now. He's a rapist now. Wow. Yeah, they, uh, he moved back to Ohio. I believe that's where um, yeah. his family's from. But, I mean, the fact of the matter is just like, so now he has a scarlet letter. Boo. Good Boo. for you. You're not. You, that's I what mean, you get when you rape people. When you rape people or when you kill people. That's what happens. We tell you. He needs we say, to get more jail no. time. Yeah. Absolutely. I just, I, he needs to get raped in prison. That, you know what? <laughs> you know what? That's... Fitting punishment for the crime. Exactly. You know, I should. Oh, you mean you're not a person? You mean your 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 body was taken from you by someone without your permission? Oh my gosh! And, and that's so awful for you. That's oh, why he got the short release. I bet you he was getting ass threats in prison. I hope so. They probably were like, so you like to rape women, huh? Mm-hmm. You know, because a lot of, from what I hear, this is jail talk. From what I hear, a lot of inmates don't like women beaters and rapists. So those are two, those are the guys that they usually go after. And kid touchers. Yeah, and oh yeah, and petties. Yeah. They don't like petties. Oh, you've heard this jail talk before too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So uh, they were probably trying to get up into some Brock, and they're like, Oh, oh here we go. Back. I put it in. I put it into our Google, and I said prisoners don't like, and the first thing that came up was child killers. Mm. High five. Prisoners hey. don't. Gay society. <laughs> okay. So um, yeah, prisoners don't like child killers. <laughs> <laughs> XCon reveals exactly what happened to child abusers in jail. Ooh. <laughs> oh, might get dark. Page, yeah. yeah, pretty dark. Um, XCons reveal exactly what happens to child abusers in prison. Popular culture and TV and movies tell us, often with glee, that child abusers and rapists have a pretty hard time in prison. <laughs> but by hard time, I mean they have to be protected and segregated from general population by prison staff to avoid pretty serious physical abuse and attacks from other inmates. The story goes that prisoners code say they have to group hate all sex offenders and attack them when possible. But just how true is that in real life? A Reddit user called Good Night Spoon 
Good night, Spoon. Uh, asked that question and got some revealing answers and stories from ex-cons. User Dusted Nuggets gave a pretty harrowing account. Sorry. Yeah, it's great. We're trying to get serious. Dusted Nuggets and Good Night Spoon. <laughs> have a pretty, pretty harrowing account of his experience in a high security prison and a pretty nasty beating he witnessed. I was just in another, right, I was just in a high security felony wing of jail waiting for extradition to another state, not in prison at the time. Well, the few that came in were told to go to SAG or get their fucking heads busted every day till they did. The one dude came in and refused to leave, was yelled at, spit on, and threatened until everyone had enough. Three dudes ran up in his cell and threw him the most vicious beating you can imagine. I remember him crawling out of his cell and the dude pulling him back in for more, and I could hear the bones breaking from 20 feet away. He died on the way to the hospital. Ooh. Um, that all guys that took part were there on murder beefs anyway, so the extra five years they got to, that got to them, it was worth it. This was an extreme case as the jail was overpopulated and they tried to sneak in the chromos in gen pop because seg was full everywhere else i was in, was incarcerated they keep the touchers far away from us duster nuggets <laughs> i want to hear another good reddit name uh i mean i guess the, the reason that sex offenders are targeted would be that people think about their brothers or sisters or well, that, that they, or i think a lot of you know some of those criminals probably had been molested as well yeah. you know childhood trauma right right that, and that's why sometimes people end up the way they do because of childhood trauma that they experience so that's why they probably don't like they don't like child abusers nor do they like um petties right uh, it would be, i mean it would totally make sense absolutely or as the english say pedophiles <laughs> fat man 832 tells a story about <laughs> yes i love the name reddit names that's brilliant this, this is fun. about one prison guard a typical shaven headed mofo actually instigated and informed the prisoners about a child molester who had kidnapped two children and left them to die in the trunk of his car Oh, Christ. Yeah, that's terrible. He passed around a newspaper cutting to all the gang leaders in the prison. Oh, shit. Open on the page about the abuser and let them get on with it. He got attacked by more than 55 prisoners. Damn. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, don't. Uh, don't don't touch kids. Let's yeah. Don't rape. God damn yeah, it. Yeah, well. Uh, and you got to wonder, like. Uh, rape is a. You know, you, you, it's a like a sub, it's denying a person's humanity. You know, and in a and to somehow be sexually gratified, like in that, like when you know that you're hurting somebody, like That's you know, disturbing as yeah. fuck. And it's but it's like what, like what makes that? What and why would it be like the rapists I've been thinking about in the past week? You've got your college swim boy, and you've got 17-year-old boys, like football players and you probably got donald trump's cabinet <laughs> donald trump's cabinet well they, well they're definitely raping all they're gonna they're gonna rape our economy and and our environment i'm very scared about and the raping humanity. and pillaging they're gonna be doing well we're not humans anymore we're consumers just consume consume that's that's what makes us americans is where we spend our dollars and how we spend our money that's the only real power we have anymore yes which is sad i mean i'd like to think that you know creating art and you know 
but a society where people get along and feel fulfilled and you know but why do you what you were about to say something about rapists oh i'm wondering um, what like, would it make and what the connection here is between like i mean i guess you would call them middle class they're they're like the jock kids like all american high school guys and the ideas and the, the what they the ideas they have about women and it's like how is this being well, i mean i see it in the mainstream media and i see how women are treated and subjugated and this and that but it's like we're ra- rape like I, who what what point this is, you're a guy would you ever have the day like yeah she's drunk let's take her in the room and fuck her no. like yeah let's no i know it's accused. terrible no, i've i've had more than a few occasions where a date has ended where she's passed out and i have to drag her home and put her in her bed and make sure she is okay right and you know at no point am i like you know what the drool coming out of her mouth that you, that gets me going i'm right. i'm i'm ready and you know she well, probably it, wants it that even goes to the whole bill cosby question is oh christ he could have but he could have any woman awake but why would he want them to be it, it's asleep? all about it's all about power and dominance and you know it never has to do with sex it's always about controlling another person hmm. at least through what i've heard uh, in all the definitely so then so then you got to think of it this way do 17 year old boys on a football team feel so powerless well it's, that they I, are now gonna rape little girls i'm like, gonna i'm gonna say something controversial and i'm gonna say something moronic because this is just out of left field to put it out there for a topic discussion, but I blame abstinence-only education. Interesting. Because now you're saying that women are something you can't have. They're a trophy, you know, back to the sports thing. Right, right, right. They're a trophy that you can't get, right? right? Uh, Because, you know, it's her fault because she can get pregnant because, you know, she, it's, it's her fault that you can't fuck her now right. go be angry in 17 about that and right. then add alcohol and drugs to the mix and see what happens right okay you know what and i don't think it's that controversial no. I, i'm actually kind of on board with you i, I totally agree with that yeah absolutely because if they were i mean if you could teach kids about i mean if you could actually talk to 14 year old girls and be like hey can you not just don't get drunk because they are going to take advantage of you and it's very sad but just take care of yourself and let that not happen but also let's talk about like sexuality you're 14 maybe you don't want to have it yet you know and i think that so much of my sexuality was formed around what i think men might want because i wanted men to want me i wanted guys to like me but i knew that if they didn't like me they might like me because i give them something sexually and then they love and then they like, like you more then they like me more right. but they never liked me to begin with and that's where it starts i think with like self-esteem young woman yes like, <laughs> yeah exactly i, I wanted to like me so i sucked his dick right and that's the whole, and that's a discussion that i think a lot of us women and younger girls don't have because at that age the self-esteem and the adolescence is so vulnerable yeah and you're you're trying to please everybody at this point right you know boy you know well our crazy boys or you know parents or teachers or friends or trying to make friends you know you have all these things going in your head and your self-esteem is just like i have never met a 14 year old girl that's had the highest self-esteem and you're still a child you're in a yeah. weird at that like a freshman in high school and you 
are sort of in this adultish world. But you're starting to like world. things, and you're starting to feel things, and you, right. you're, you're starting to want to, ex, you know, do things and try for the first time. And, and you're, but you're, you're also curious. so, in, and but innocent in that you don't necessarily like. Okay, so this girl, Daisy. Like, yes, she was drinking upstairs with her friend. They're both 14-year-olds. One of them was eighth grade. The other one was a freshman. And they're drinking. They're trying for the first time. And one of these drunk guys texts this 14-year-old and says, hey, come over. We've got some friends over. And she's thinking. And she told the camera. They said, well, what were you thinking? And she said, I was thinking that a 17-year-old football player who was a friend of my brother's wanted to hang out with me. And I thought it was cool. cool. And I thought it was. And then when she got there. They were drinking or whatever, and she was like, I have three little brothers. So they kind of made this thing about like this bitch cup that no one could finish it and the guys couldn't even. So she's like, she drank this huge thing of alcohol because she was trying to prove to them that she was. And then she passed out and then they raped her. Yeah. And And then they filmed it and then they laughed about it and then they showed it around school. And then. But it's oh, a, but fourteen God, year old girls so... do dumb shit because they want boys to like them. I feel when I was watching that, we get back to the Netflix now. It shapes my life. I honestly feel like I would have done the same thing. When I was fourteen, I dated a guy who was a senior in college, and luckily he was a good, upstanding dude. Russ Orvik, all power to you. You got great kids now. Lovely wife Jennifer. Great people. But I mean, I was fourteen. People used to say like. Why is what? Why would a 17-year-old guy or 18-year-old guy want to hang out with a 14-year-old? I was like, well, I'm a really cool chick. But like now, I look back and I'm thinking, I mean, he could. I would have done anything because he was a senior and I was a freshman, and I was like, tell me how the world works, sensei. You know, like yeah. I I, I mean, yeah, I've been in the shoes of like being like at a being called over to like, hey, we're all hanging out after school here. And some uncomfortable situations had happened where it was the point I'm the kind of person that I'll just hit somebody, (laughs) you know, but, you know, and it's just you talking about that, the story of uh, Daisy kind of like it. It, I see it's like I kind of see it and it's really sad and, you know, it doesn't change as you get older. You know, we all do stupid shit at 14, 24, 34, 44, 54. It goes on, we all do stupid shit, but does that that give anyone the right to violate a person or do anything to harm another person because of that stupidity that is not harming anybody, but no, I'm not even gonna say stupidity. It's just being irresponsible, you know? I, I mean, I guess as you get older, you're supposed to get, you know, you know, be more responsible, and but we all fall off, we all fall off the train once in a while, <laughs> and those 17-year-old boys who, who are on that football team who got away with this, I'm just afraid of how they're going to turn out to be as adults. Now, those are the monsters that I'm really afraid of, because they know that they can keep going on, you know, keep this going as long as they can, because they got away with it for the first time. Right. I'm Teflon now. Right. Well, these guys, I mean, it's... And there's and the, there's a lot of cases like this that go on that are, you know, that aren't on the news or what have you. Yeah. This is someone right now. This is happening to someone right now. Right. And it was conversation. this crazy, this crazy documentary. I think it's, it started in the, like the, the Marysville thing or whatever. The rape was in 2012 and it just came out in 2015 or 2016. So she's like... It started when she was 14, and now she just graduated from high school. They show that at the end of the 
thing. And at the end, all these other girls get together and they're all talking about how their stories are so similar and how the guys got off and nobody listened to their story and how they think they were ostracized at school and Facebook was terrible. And I mean, it is a, it is a brave new world for high schoolers out there. I have no idea how they ignore, like if Facebook existed when I was in high school, I would have killed myself. I mean, I'm sure I would be dead. Yeah. I mean, because I did stupid shit in it high school. It could be mean like, and vicious. It, people are so vicious. Oh, yeah. And, and and we're just comedians. But, like, I can't even imagine how vicious high school students oh, would be yeah, to each exactly. other. I mean, woo. The gossip and the... They know how to cut right to the ego. I know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like it takes the fun out of being sometimes me. Yeah. <laughs> right? Because, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I was bullied a little bit, you know, in high school, but I turned out to be awesome. Um, but just hearing the things that people would say to you in high school, 10 times that now on Facebook where people will video videotape you to humiliate you. Yeah. Oh, and, and the yes. dog pile that happens. Yeah. It's just like, whoa. Because it starts with the posting of the video or the comment or whatever, but then it's the dog pile of everyone replying saying, oh, yeah, you're a piece storm. of shit. Yeah. yeah. It's, and the thing is, adults do it as well. Oh, But yeah. the difference, and I feel like it, some adults know how to pull away, mm-hmm. but I see a lot of adults get into that cattiness of the shit pile, and I'm just like, I refuse. It, it's happened to- on my page before. That whole that whole Jermaine thing that happened there oh, for a while, that. calling me a racist and just dragging me all over Facebook. Just I just ignored it all because I'm like, clearly I'm not a racist. But juvenile. Yeah, but it's, it's but it, the problem is that when somebody's being juvenile like that, you're response is like oh i'm gonna say this but then it makes you somehow they always get off and then i end up looking worse like whenever i try to retaliate because something happens like i get poked you know and and i'm like oh you poke the bear and then (laughs) and then i look like an asshole right you know because you can't say i i rather when people try to lure me into that bullshit that juvenile teenage stuff i i'm like wait till we see each other in person wait i just can't wait i have a heart on for it and when i see that person and or see them in person it's a completely different story until yeah. i say something and i mention it sure because when you post things and you say things via text or facebook social media it doesn't make you don't get the face and the aggression compared to the words that you're saying to the other person does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, it's a it's a safe way to express displeasure from a distance and without responsibility. Yeah. I mean, because it's just like, oh, just Facebook. I think sometimes less said is better. Sometimes. Wait, it's I. It's always like wait till I see you in person. Yeah. Oh, I just try never to see them again. Uh, every ninety-eight seconds, an American is sexually assaulted. That's just America. And that's a minute and 38 seconds. Yeah, so yeah. someone, after we were just discussing, that was someone right now. On the average, there are 321,500 victims age 12 or older of rape and sexual assault each year in the United States. Uh, wow. That's uh, one out of every six American women has been the victim of an attempted or completed rape in her lifetime. Uh, wow. Wow. Uh, somebody th- that happened somebody tried to I got saved at a frat party once because I was super super drunk and a guy brought me upstairs and was trying to like take off my clothes and another frat boy guy ran upstairs and his last name was McCune and he I don't remember his first name but he got that guy off me and he was like 
what the fuck were you gonna do? Yeah. And he was like, I was gonna have sex with her, and and I was like, you saved me from getting raped. It was really nice. See, my my frat house, we were a safe space. It was, you know. Oh, that's so nice. Well, this was before quote unquote safe spaces became a buzzword. This <laughs> yeah. was, you know, back in 2002, 2006. You know, but uh, wow. You know, everyone liked to party with us because they knew nothing was gonna happen. Y'all weren't. You guys weren't grimy and no you know we were all engine nerds and want to be lawyers like that's so nice i I was the black sheep i was the english major right (laughs) everyone was like what are you gonna do teach or serve coffee and i'm not serving coffee (laughs) and i think you know you don't i don't ever hear good things about fraternities either because of the stigma of what you hear so much about that's why when i would go to frat parties when i was in college i would make fun of the people and then leave because i'm just like i don't feel like getting raped tonight so <laughs> it's time for me to peace out but the ones that i go would go to were always a stereotypical get drunk beer bomb blah 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 yeah bro most sexual kind of stuff and then it, it just never was never a thing to me and i always felt like rape like in my mind, the word rape would just go off. And I, that's the, I guess the stigma of what fraternities, you know, are. And you come from one that is actually total opposite. Yeah. I, my, the guys I hung out with, my ex-husband was the president of his fraternity. It was called Delta Tau Delta. They were all good guys. Yeah, I, I know some of those guys. They were really good guys. And uh, really inclusive. They had uh, a gay member like way before anything. And they were like, we don't, we don't give a fuck. They're like, you're a cool dude. Let's hang out. Yeah. <laughs> like, it wasn't even a thing. So, not all fraternities, I guess. It's just groups of people. I mean, you yeah. find like-minded people wherever you are, right? And yeah, absolutely. I, I'm, I'm thinking of picking up a new uh, weird hobby. I'm thinking metal detecting. You know? Wow, that sounds like <laughs> fun. You're going to find some jewelry and I, stuff on the beach. I was on the forums today, and those seem like very interesting people. Wow. Yeah. yeah, Fat Man 47 is probably on there. What probably. was that? Dusty, Dusty Nuggets? Duster, Dusty Nuggets, yeah. Duster Nuggets. Uh, this has been the AltaCast here on MutinyRadio.fm. Thanks again, Arden. Everybody can tune into Arden's show on Wednesdays from 10 to midnight called The Night Space. So uh, definitely do that. Thanks again to LaToya, the Sheriff of Truth. We got through it again. We did another one. <laughs> We went around and around, and we came back to drugs and rape. (laughs) Right on back. And Netflix. Full circle. Full circle. And uh, go out this week and do something nice for somebody, or come see a comedy show at Or protest the inauguration. Protest the inauguration. That's a good one, too. Yeah, there's a lot of, I mean... Next time, give us a call, 415-550-0511, or just come down and visit us. And uh, yeah, say fuck Trump, because this we cannot let this misogyny stand. Cheeto. Cheeto president. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, bye, everybody. Yay. Bye. And prevent further backwards actions from happening, and this is exactly what this is about, this next story, and this comes from the Charlotte Observer. Can you 
tell me what food relieves insomnia, anxiety, stress, chronic brain, depression, nausea, and can induce euphoria and stimulate appetite? I'm going to guess waffles. <laughs> that is incorrect. <laughs> Actually, Alex, the food I'm talking about are cannabis-based medicinal extracts. Cannabis-based medicinal extracts? That sounds like you're smoking drugs, Ed. No, baby. There are smokeless, safe, and less expensive alternative to smoking. But can I use it to sleep? Yes, baby. Good, because I'm so excited by this that I may never sleep again. And it sounds like you, Alex, may want to check out the number 4altacalifornia.com. That's 4altacalifornia.com for a non-addictive, pharmaceutical-free alternative to smoking medical marijuana. Check them out today at number 4altacalifornia.com. This is Tushar Matters with Mutiny Radio. Big up to the number one station, the ruling nation. Give it to me every time. Ah! Good evening there, my friends, here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's deep in the Mission District where you can laugh off your tushy for mere fun every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because $5, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere $5 is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere, like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse, or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. awesome and underground space for an event? Look no further than MutinyRadio.fm. Our 30-seat flexible space can accommodate your acoustic band, birthday party, comedy show, dance party, karaoke super fun, theater event, fundraiser. If you think it, we can do it. You run the door in promotion, we run the sound, space, and podcast. Rentals available Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10 at Mutiny Radio 